1: Mark Hatfield is joining us. Uh, We are into episode uh, 17. Amazing. I know, living your life with Leanne Lang. So, uh, welcome to the show. Just want to mention, of course, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And for more information, you can always head to extensionmarketing.com. I've got comedian, I've got former CFL or NFL or firefighter, dad, motivational speaker. This is going to be a fun one. And I think this is really special for me because a couple months ago... About six months ago, yep. actually, uh, a couple of days after I left CTV Morning Live, yep. I was your
0: guest. Yes,
1: on the Hatfield trip,
0: which was a huge moment for my uh, podcast as well. Because after you were, it was so topical, it was so fresh. The people of the city wanted to hear from you again. That uh, my my listeners like doubled at that point, <laughs> and a lot of them have stayed. So it was it was huge for me. The Melissa was on right after that and uh it was a huge moment for my podcast yeah and i mean just the conversation we had and getting to know you a little better and uh, it, it was great and, and i loved every minute of it and uh, yeah our, our podcast has changed uh, because of that too
1: that's really cool i had i had no idea and it was a really it was a big learning curve for me because i had in my head wanted to do something mm-hmm. like that and it was kind of in my wish list of things i wanted to do when i was leaving but to have had that experience with you and understand to have the understanding of what a podcast is really like and the flow, because we really just, we chatted for like an hour and 15 minutes and it was just, it was really free flowing and I was like this is what I've been wanting to do for so long. Isn't it
0: awesome? Isn't it so awesome?
1: It really (laughs) is and you get to know things and people and just, the stories, I think you always, you know, make a point, but when there's a story to be told behind it, it's, it's really neat. Yeah.
0: It's all about hearing someone's story and the the environment you came from before where everything had to be in four minute segments and, you know, approved by somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's not really you, first of all, and it's not really them. But then when that happens and you go through five minutes of conversation and then you're like, okay, well now what? We got to tell the truth, right? (laughs) Like, you know, the truth eventually comes out. And some people even believe like an hour long isn't even enough. For me, it's enough upload reasons too and but uh, just you know time of day I'm not going to disturb someone for more than an hour of the day or whatever but to speak and to have a conversation with somebody for a length of time that is up to you is what it's really all about and after I do a podcast I just feel so much different I feel I feel like I've learned something I feel like I've been through something and even it's not just because you have the opportunity to to have a conversation with somebody it's because you have a a sit down and there's no distractions and and you're having this one-on-one And uh, I really, uh, it's one of the favorite things that I do or I ever have done. And if I had, if I had 10 listeners, I think I would continue to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. You
1: just, you get that much joy.
0: I get so much fun. out of It It used to be when I first started, it was all about how many people are listening. Is it worth doing? And now I don't even check. You asked me the other day how many, you know, what the listeners are at. And I'm like, I honestly haven't checked in like two months. I just go about, you know, booking the guest, doing the, having the conversation and the upload. I put more into the sort of the creative, the artwork behind it. And uh, and I just love doing it so much, and I look forward to it every week, and I can't wait to... Like, it's just so exciting for me to have a conversation with this person. You know, like, I hear... I listen to other people, and they talk about, uh, you know, the benefits of podcasting. And one thing is it increases your circle of friends or, you know, people you have a relationship with. And it's so true. Like, I have all these great friends now that, like, I can...
1: But you've had a deep conversation with them. Yeah. It's gone gone beyond the, hey, how you doing? Hey. I'm right now, I'm like
0: goosebumps. I'm all excited just because we're having this conversation. (laughs) And I'm I'm thinking about people I've met. I'm thinking about, you know, our conversation. And it's just, it changes your life. It's just like.
1: And, uh, but the the idea behind yours though, you're going to come out of yours feeling uplifted because what, what were you hoping to create? Like what, what's the premise behind yours
0: yeah so my mine is about my life and i started about eight years ago uh, going to schools and speaking about the over uh the obstacles i had to overcome and and you know goal setting and really having a life that's just and you know wake up every single day and point yourself in a certain direction and uh and so i would go out i would give all this energy in, in, a, in a school and speak to 800 people and you know it would take someone booking it, it would take me you know going there and then doing it And then and now uh, I feel like I've done it so much that it's time to start hearing other people's stories. And I know everybody has a story. I've been in rooms where there's people trying to, you know, uh, teach you to be a motivational speaker. And then you go around and you go, as long as someone has 10 minutes to think about something, they go, oh, man, that's that's how long it took me to come up with my story. I was in a room with uh, the with STEAM Team in 19...
1: Uh, what Just go through that. What is a STEAM Team? A STEAM Team is a yeah. group
0: of athletes, uh, professional athletes, Olympic athletes that are right across Canada that go to schools and speak to kids about goal setting primarily and they tell their story so kids can see themselves in those stories and realize that everyone struggles, everyone has a hard time and it's about overcoming obstacles and setting your goals. And I and, uh, so uh, Mark Sluban saw me on, uh, on, I guess it was called A Channel at the time on the morning show with uh, Kurt and... Um, someone else can't remember and i was doing my exercise business and he's like well you've got an interesting story yeah, what is it and i went "Well, here it is like because he was so actually interested into it because he was a fan of like you know professional football and the houston oilers and he knew a little bit more than most people do when they ask the questions i'm like well yeah and here's my story and then so mark slewband saw that on 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 tv and he I went into this training session and it went around the room and there was like uh, Olympic athletes and, and people who'd been telling their stories for years and they went around. And I, got like, I got like three hours to come up with my story while also listening to these people and just kind of when I got a moment, I would jot something down and it came my turn. I went, oh my God, this story is incredible. Like it just, it all came back to me and people in the room were crying and laughing and it just went so well that uh, that you know they booked me for to start speaking two weeks later, and I've done like over 800 speeches oh since my God. then. And uh, back to the original question is that in that moment when I realized I have a story that's worth telling to other people, I realized everybody has one of those mm-hmm. stories. And, and, and people are interested in those stories. And I, I wanted to hear them. First of all, it's I want to hear them. I want to have that conversation and, and hear these stories from the people. And I know everybody else does, right? And I get this feedback from every single podcast is, wow, like that moment. I had no idea about that person or that was an amazing, you know, that person's story and how they overcame that is just incredible. And just hearing someone else to have that same struggle, it really helped me out. And it's, uh, I realize that it, it helps people a lot. And uh, it's it's something that I'm really interested in for okay. sure. Okay.
1: So I know your I know your story, mm-hmm. um, but I think I'd like to know how you, as you're sitting there and have three hours to create this, and you're mm-hmm. jotting down notes. Yeah. You know, your story resonates with a lot of people because it's about being told that you can't, mm-hmm. and then you know, and how many of us have heard no, no, right. no, right. Uh, and then finally had an opportunity to prove people wrong, mm-hmm. and and I think that. Resonates with so many people because they're, once they hear the no once or twice, they they tend to c- kind of turn around and yep. and walk away I mean, defeated, human nature, right? For sure. it's, and not many of us have the capacity to say, "I'm going to figure out a way to make it a yes." Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's been so successful and why there's been such a reach for your story. Mm-hmm. So can we go back? It, it's yep. funny. Like I, I I knew you as the bishop guy <laughs> yeah. because of my husband that's Tony. Right. Tony that's would right. always be like, "Yeah, I think he painted. He kind of did a."
0: Who's one of the awesomest guys you'll ever meet. For people who have never met her husband, Tony Harris, he is the funniest guy. He is such a nice guy. Uh, athletic guy. He's like the perfect man. If you weren't married to him, I would be, ha- be. I love Tony I, Harris.
1: I find it interesting. <laughs> and, and people ask me, because there's such an, an athletic side to him, right? Yeah. Like he's got, he I mean, played junior hockey, quarterback of the, you yeah. know, like all-star All quarterback. Canadian quarterback. Like quarterback, pretty much yeah. was a scratch golfer before we had kids. Yeah. Uh, and then has this crazy artistic side. Like it's a really crazy dynamic yeah. yeah
0: and so modest you'd never know it right like I mean maybe you
1: know no I, I don't I, don't. I, I look at him
0: <laughs> had a t-shirt with all his stats on it when he met you I don't know. you know what he
1: had on <laughs> he had a t-shirt that said BU okay and I had a t-shirt that said UMass uh-huh. and we met because we were sitting next to each other at the gym I don't think I've told this story we met um, sitting at at the gym at Good Life he was living in Montreal was visiting his friend Eric Gauthier who played bishop who played football at Bishops Uh, and I was like hey did you go to BU and he goes I did but you're probably thinking I went to Boston based on the fact that you probably went to UMass we struck up a conversation it was like three minutes and then his friend who you know when you see the same people all the time at the gym or wherever you've never met them but you just know that you know seen them for years Mm -hmm. and about three months later his that friend came up to me and said hey about three months ago you were talking to this a friend of mine you talked for a couple minutes about BU and UMass and he said if I ever saw you again that he would drive in from Montreal to take you out for dinner and I totally remembered the three yeah and then yeah and so he came in and we we knew we were getting married we both had the (laughs) exact same moment we both knew that that was it
0: anyway it's a really cool
1: story but and, and so there's a really strong connection with bishops and that's where he met he met you yep. but that that's kind of where your story starts but i'm sure it starts long before yeah, that yeah that's near the yeah. end of that, story. that i'm like <laughs> yeah. that's the football side of things of where we where we went to so kind of take us back a little bit like yeah. what what were you like as a kid like what was it that kind of launched you into a, a very athletic side of your life
0: i uh, well, always interested in sports i'll <clears throat> take a little drink of water <clears> here <throat>
1: He's all clamped over my uh, my mm-hmm. romance story, right? I know,
0: because Tony and I have this very <laughs> similar story. He took me out to dinner, and yeah. uh, we went yeah, on the Titanic, it. and he drew a picture of me. It was it was beautiful. It was it's probably really time. yeah, it was probably a really good picture though. Yeah, it was a good picture. Yeah. So my story starts. And I'll give you the sort of the elevator version, not the elevator, not the forty five yeah. minute version. It's a nineteen eighty five, long time ago. It's a relationship about brothers, about me and my big brother Bill. And on January 22nd of that year, we sat down to watch. I'd only played one year of football up to this point at Gloucester High School. Okay,
1: you're 85. 85, so I'm 15 years
0: old. So, yeah, uh, obviously a different time. 15-year-old uh, now I look at it, it's very older uh, like an adult almost because they have the internet and back then so I, I think of myself in this story as younger than 15, but I was 15 and um, So we sat down to watch the Super Bowl, you know on the little tiny uh, TV in mom's you know living room where you gotta be careful of everything I still remember the screen couch and then we had a popcorn or we watching it and Dan Marino is playing for the Dolphins and uh, halfway through the game my big brother turns to me and he goes, you know what, and he'd also bought me a Dan Marino jersey that year for Christmas, so it was really cool that we had this moment together because we were, we were...
1: Were you wearing the Dan Marino jersey? I believe so, yeah, day? that's watching? in my head I yeah, was, okay. for
0: sure, and he says, you know what, Dan Marino is only in his second season in the NFL, he's taken his team to the biggest game, he's setting all kinds of records, Dan Marino's breaking all kinds of records that year, and he turns to me and goes, you know what, Mark, you could play in the uh, in the NFL someday. And it was like a crazy dream. And it it was awesome. Was this
1: based on your size? I mean, you're you're 6'6". I should mention that. So what were you at 15?
0: I was very skinny. But okay. my brother always uh, always thinks of me as like an ath- athletic guy, and he's you know he, uh, my brother is born with a hole in his heart, so he was loved sports, but he could never participate in sports because the doctors told him uh, that he couldn't. And at the time, it was an in- inoperable uh, uh, medical problem. And nowadays, apparently, there's a, a surgery to fix it really quickly for in- inch kids, and it happens quite often that that surgery takes place but at the time I mean they are let's put a baboom heart in him and he was going off to Toronto and all this stuff and as a, uh, his brother I never really realized anything you know about that other than that he's my brother because you know everything seemed uh, normal but he was also uh, quite a bit smaller than me so he wasn't uh, as athletic and he didn't participate in sports so it was always through me he was like yeah hey, let's do this let's do this. that's great no one's ever asked that question before and uh, it was it was definitely him living through the extension of me. He was always like, you know, you should do this, you should do that, right? And uh, and so that that's what we did. We we went out and we we you know practiced football all by ourselves and we. So would play catch. he was
1: able to to, to to he couldn't play at a at a level like he couldn't go and play a game, but he was able to yeah. kind of still go low key kind of be able to toss the ball oh, and do we were all that yeah okay. we would yeah.
0: fist fight and okay. throw each other around literally try and kill each other when we were upset at each other you know brother stuff for sure then there's no holding back on my part and uh so we did that you know like for weeks and days and the next season football came around and you know things went well and that's actually at the end of that season it was after uh it's after our last game we just lost in the playoffs uh, to South Carleton obviously I'll never forget this day, it was October 30th, 1985, and I walked into the change room, and uh, you know, in life sometimes you just know things, something's happened, something's different, everyone's looking at you kind of weird, and I I just kind of blew it off as "Oh, you know, it's the end of the season, and then my uncle was standing there, and uh, he, he walks over to me, and you know, I'm taking off my football equipment, and I'm still trying to catch my breath, I'm still got the emotions of losing this football game, And then he just takes me by the arm and he says, Mark, I'm sorry, uh, your big brother Bill died today. And like I said, uh, he lived every day um, like it could be his last. And and he was such a great example for me. And and as a young person, I didn't know how to handle the situation. And I just kind of went in sorry you're you're
1: 16 so it was the following year it was the same year
0: 85 but it was the October 30th of that year so you're still 15 15 15? years old
1: and how old was he uh
0: he's 19 he was 19 years old he he uh he was 19 years old so like you know just about to become an adult the whole bit and and uh, you know years later my parents were like wow we thought that since he got to be 19 things would be all right and uh he, he he would live like a normal life and as a kid I never realized that this this medical condition he had w- could take his life I knew he had to go to the, the hospital all the time and all that kind of stuff but I never uh, I never clued in maybe I just didn't want to but I just never thought that this could be uh, the end
1: so it, so it's different for a child when they realize there's an illness and a sickness if there's a cancer like there's I think there's a better understanding now um of of understanding the consequences of of being sick Mm. but you didn't have that so I'm just thinking like there's less of a shock when someone comes to you and says they've lost their battle or it's not going well like this hadn't been part of your mindset at all that that there was a possibility of it
0: Mm -hmm, no never 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 considered it for sure and then like You know, the whole thing was like your head spinning, and and everyone's lost somebody, and um, we all we all go through. Not
1: often at six. No, that's yeah. As
0: a fifteen-year-old, it was uh, it was unbelievable. It was uh, something that you know you never want your kids to go through. Obviously, and it's just it was a terrible experience, and I was definitely not prepared for it. Didn't know how to handle it, and uh, you know, seeing my parents go through that at the same time was I can still see like. the first time i saw my dad after that and he was just like this grown man who was you know he was standing there crying and it was just a pfft, terrible experience and i don't often talk about that part of it it's funny because i couldn't talk about this for years decades afterwards and it was only through going to schools and speaking of it that i could actually tell it when i saw that it, it had a, a value to other people that the legacy of my brother's life could be continued on and people could be motivated and inspired by it was when i could talk about it and it, when i veer off and like, i I think about that moment when I first saw my father and my mother afterwards, and they were crying, and, and they just lost their child. You know, it's, it hits me again, and, and I get uh, pretty emotional about it for sure. It's uh, it's terrible. It's funny because uh, it, it, I saw I, I, my uncle. Then took me to Chio, where my brother had passed away that day, and uh, you know, so anytime I take my kids to Chio for uh, like a scrape or uh, you know anything, I I go through that again. And I remember, the, I remember the walk up, and you know, like what's happening here and then walking into the room and seeing my parents and, you know, and their reaction and it was terrible. So at that point, I realized there's a couple things I could do here and I, I had to sit down and, I, you know, I wasn't a, a great writer of things. I didn't have a diary at the time, but I just started writing. And I knew that uh, I knew that this was making me feel better. So I, I sat down and I could hear everyone downstairs, like family relatives coming over and, and them talking it out. And I could, I, I could feel them sort of dealing with the situation through conversation. And I didn't feel I could do that. Anytime I opened my mouth, I would cry. I couldn't even be in the same room. So I went upstairs and I got a paper and a pen and I just started writing like a, a letter to him. And that's sort of what got me through. I just kept writing and I kept writing that, you know, the stuff we had been working on and talking about, I would continue to do and that, you know, the legacy of his life and that it wouldn't be of me just giving up and quitting and being the kid who sort of hides about this, but I would take it and I would make it the reason why I achieved these things. And and it would be the motivator. And, And I wrote down a bunch of things that, you know, brothers talk about it. and it was professional football and I was like yeah someday I'm gonna play in the NFL and I'm just not gonna stop trying you're gonna be proud of me and now I'm getting emotional again but uh and I, and I rolled it up and, I, and he was buried with it and so
1: um, I was gonna ask you like what do you do with that letter
0: yeah I took it and, and I wrapped it up with this little bracelet that he had made me that summer at camp and I and I and, you know my parents were like uh, do you guys want to put anything in with them and my sister had something and, and it was like her necklace and then I put that in and uh and uh, yeah so, uh, did, so your,
1: did your parents ever ask like, no nobody's
0: what? ever asked about that for sure no it was it was your own little thing and i guess they knew i was upstairs writing something and maybe they realized that that was the letter i wrote to him. and um that's what sort of got me through it for sure otherwise i don't i don't know as a kid what how i would have handled that situation because you
1: didn't have your brother, who you normally would have relied on. Yeah, it seems wasn't like that would anymore. have been that person that you would have gone to for anything you had helped for sure. deal with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were four and a half years different, but he was clearly my big brother, and he was uh, always there for me. And uh, I mean, I can I, I still remember um, saying goodbye to him the last time. It was through a screen door, and uh, my mom was taking him to Chio because he wasn't feeling well. And I remember her saying, he's not coming back until he's better. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good to me, okay? Okay, make yeah. him better. And uh, so I remember I was, he turned and, you know, he said, goodbye, Mark. And I went, I said, bye. And, uh, and that was the last time I saw him. But uh, that vision and then the promise that I had made is what carried me through the next 10 years. Um, you know, I was, like I said, t- I was tall, skinny kid, and uh, and not necessarily uh, like an all-star at sports and football, but I knew in my head that I could be that. I knew that if I just never stopped trying at something that that it, it was possible. And that was what I was holding on to and this, this message, this promise that I had made. And I just went out um, every single day and I tried my hardest. And uh, well, I mean, the next 10 years were filled with injuries and people telling me I couldn't do it. And then my last year in high school, you know, I'm like, here, I, I got to get scholarship offers, or, or is at least someone interested in me going there to play, and nobody was interested, nobody cared about me, and so I had to go back another year to high school, and I just kept trying. And then that year, I got, like, literally maybe three letters from from universities. Two of them were just, like, form letters to, like, you know, every graduating person, and then one was from Bishop's University, which is where Tony and I met, and in, the head coach there, Ian Breck, who'd just come to one of my games, and he'd seen this tall, I was a bit bigger then, but still skinny, like six foot six, the same height, 210 220 pounds. And he'd seen this person who just, on the football field, wouldn't give up. He played offense and defense and special teams. And my, my, strangely enough, my mom and my sister sat behind Ian Breck at that game because he was all dolled out in the bishop stuff and just cheered. And <laughs> he could see that. Gosh,
1: f- that guy, yeah. what number were you? <laughs> I was not,
0: I, I, I don't know at the time, but I do know afterwards. I was always wore the number 66 because yeah. that was the year my brother was born. And, uh, and, you know, he saw I had family support and yeah. then this guy who would just never give up on anything and he showed an interest in me. And he started calling me at high school to make sure I got my marks up and my grades up. And, and I went there. And, and it was a school where nobody had ever gone on to play in the NFL before. And you know, people had even said, you know, it's just too small a school. People from there don't go on to play in the NFL. And it was all I had. It was my only hope. And at this point, I was still living uh, in that letter. I was still not really telling people what I wanted to like, do. Like,
1: I was going to say, at what point had you kind of said to your parents, listen, I have made this kind of commitment or yeah. this promise or this goal and i'm not going to give up until it's done like they didn't know in that letter yeah. wrapped in, and and buried with your brother no. was that commitment or no
0: and that's the thing i teach uh, young people about no all, all age people about is how important it is to tell people about what your dreams are because at that point i was just too worried of failure i was too worried of letting down my brother i was too worried about not being able to to make that happen because it was so far from what the reality of it happening, I was the only one who believed in it. And when I started telling people that this was my goal, and I started acting that way, I'm like, they're like, what are you doing? You know, we're fast forwarding a little bit here and they were saying what are you doing and I'm going I'm gonna go play for the and I pick a team I would actually be spo- so specific about what I was going to be doing in the future I'm going to play for the New York Giants I'm going to be doing and people would just kind of look at me and they would see this guy who said it so confidently and who clearly like worked out every day all day long and talked about football all day long and watched football all day long that it's hard to deny that if it's hard to deny when someone is chasing a dream and they're so passionate about it and they spend most of their time doing it what you're gonna find is people instead of doubting you instead of saying you can't do its you're going to find people and the world moving in the direction of you achieving your dreams and your goals. It's unbelievable how many people actually want to help people who are passionate about something and who have a goal and a dream.
1: Is it the positivity? Is it I, I'm a big thing on if you get a, you, your your way of thinking mm-hmm. is is essential as to what yep. their end result is gonna be
0: yes absolutely yeah, for sure 100% if you're thinking in that direction everything is starting to move in that direction and it's gonna it's gonna help you make your decisions and it's gonna help everything around you you're, it's unbelievable when you're around someone just for a few moments and you're passionate and you're positive that continues on in their life and they think that way of you and they move in that direction and you know next thing is who, who do I want to do this I call that person right like it's just It's just, uh, it's contagious, right? When you start to be a certain way. And that's how it worked and I noticed it because for years and years and years, I held this dream inside me and I didn't tell anyone about it and nobody cared to help me. Like if I had said something about it earlier on I guarantee you coaches would have been helping me out a little bit more not that they weren't but like a coach has a whole team to worry about yeah. right and they're not going to pick out an individual they're to not say,
1: thinking this kid made a commitment at 15 that's right
0: I, absolutely and I did have coaches yeah. who would take me aside Jeff Hamlin at Gloucester High School who would take me aside and say things like uh you know because I played basketball and football and they were like he was like uh and it's just and this is an ironic story because I was in grade maybe 11 and he said to me he showed me a newspaper article and he goes listen this is the guy from Canada who's gone on to play uh, football at Brigham Young University, and now he's won the um, the Outland Trophy as the best down lineman in the country. His name is Moa Wanibi. And it's a great opportunity for you to realize that Canadians can go and do this sort of thing and, and play that position like an offensive lineman and, and make it to the NFL. And I never told him anything about it. And the, you know, you meet these people along the way who sort of know more about you than you ever could imagine how. And he was like that. and he And it's like he had some sort of a... Maybe because he lived a similar life, mm-hmm. he, he had been a professional football player along the way, and he saw it in me without actually the, the words being exchanged. So years later, I ended up playing with Mo when he'd be for the BC Lions, which is bizarre, a bizarre thing for sure. I'm Like, oh my God, there's Mo, and he, we were. Do you tell friends. him the
1: story? Yeah, I Who, mean Mo. Yeah,
0: I uh, I probably told him the story for sure when I first met him. and we were buddies. We 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 used to live in the same neighborhood. We would drive to practice together, and I know Mo like really well. So. He's. I mean, I haven't talked to him since I stopped playing, but uh, yeah, we had a great relationship for sure when we were on the same team. And so to continue the story.
1: Yeah, because about, now you've already let on that you, at least you you were in the CFL. Yeah, yeah. But okay, but let's go because the story. This is so crazy.
0: Just, yeah, it's still crazy. Framework. to it. Yeah. So uh, and then I go to Bishop's University, and it's the same sort of thing. I get moved. Actually, I went there as an inside receiver, and uh, you know, the day two days before I got there, I broke my ankle playing basketball. I broke my hand. Uh, Uh, my third season so I'm breaking bones things aren't going my way it's
1: not a healthy injury free all-star no crazy it's not how you would imagine it to be
0: right it's it's not that path oh watch this kid oh look at Sidney Crosby Uh, Wayne Gretzky says he's gonna be the best ever those stories are so rare so far between you know and even Sidney Crosby who's been anointed from a young age struggled a lot right there's there's people don't see the struggles they just see the success And there was really no success for me. I wanted so bad to be an all-star every year. And you you mentioned Tony Harris was an all-Canadian. To me, the thought of being all-Canadian, to get a ring that says all-Canadian would be like an amazing thing. And and that never happened to me. And and I was never awarded an all-Canadian anything, right? Not even second team all-Canadian.
1: Are you you discouraged at this point? Listen, it's not like you're having... I mean, and statistically, there are so few players of anything that actually make it to that professional level like are you thinking okay it's not like I'm getting to all-star status and then there's going to be scouts that are going to notice me like are you are you emphasizing academics at this point at all (laughs) is there is there any you know reality check a little like I don't mean was there any thought to realign your life goals at all so that you weren't you you could come out of this and and have a productive, influential life without it maybe being through football. Okay, so Is there, was there any thought process? Yeah, to that?
0: definitely discouraging all the time. Okay. Uh, to the point of, you know, doing myself physical harm almost. Every year, thinking I had a good year, they announced the all star teams, whatever, and you see the guy beside you, they see the guy across from you getting these all star awards and not putting in the kind of commitment and and you just get so physically frustrated that you go out and do something ridiculous because you have no other way of handling it uh yeah definitely i like punch punched holes in walls and uh the dashboard in my car and just so i can't control myself because this is not working out i can't figure it out so everybody experiences those right there's no like guy who's super positive all the time and I tried to be positive as much as possible, but things just... Emotions just took over. And that's usually, you know, the biggest enemy of anybody can be emotions, yeah. right? And I would get so emotional and i just cry and just not know how to handle these uh, situations. Although I think
1: ego is a big... Ego for sure. Ego, I think, yeah. is for a lot of people yeah. a massive obstacle. Huge, huge obstacle. And what other people think.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's... Yeah, you're in your inner voice and what you're yeah. telling yourself is, is what... Who you are, really. And... Uh, but these... Never did I think I would realign. It's funny because you said, you know, realign your goals and, and aim lower or, or whatever. Right. I
1: didn't mean it. So, But yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm being realistic. But nev- yes. yeah, realistic, yeah.
0: yeah. But never did I do that. And when I go to schools and I get to the SMART goals and you get to the R and realistic, I'm always like, you know what? S- screw the realistic part, right? You know what I mean? Because nowadays, especially where things weren't even uh, on the radar are happening daily right like you know so no I never stopped believing in myself uh, uh, about the fact that I could do it someday as long as I knew I had more like it's funny because I took an extra year of high school an extra year of university I just knew if I had a place to go and we... keep trying I would never stop trying
1: right but you're getting older mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes age is not yeah, uh, a benefit no. to you when you've taken an extra year so it's an extra year beating on your body in high school yep. an extra year beating on your body yep. in university you're two years older than maybe some of the other guys coming out at the same spot yeah what are you doing okay so I asked you what did you graduate with
0: uh, a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology <laughs> oh my god <laughs> took me that long to get that degree
1: so five, five was it five, <laughs> five years
0: yeah. no I got it, my doctorate yeah. in uh, <laughs> medicine I, I was there long enough You were to there a long that. time. Okay, yeah. But, uh, uh, no, to get... Uh, it's a funny you say yeah. that, too, because football is that terrible for your body and grinding. But yeah. when I got to where I got to, uh, I was, like, almost five years older than everybody else. Yeah. When American players get to professional football, they're, like, 20. I was, like, 25. Also, I played way less football than I, maybe anyone ever, except for, like, those Aussie rules football players that yeah. come up and are kickers. I got to the NFL combine, and and uh, and people are, and I had no no surgeries, I had no surgeries to speak of, and the guy before me had like 21, literally, yeah. he had 21 knee surgeries before, and to them it was like, okay, how's it working now, you know, like it wasn't like, oh that's terrible, that's just normal. I get up there and there's like no scars, and they're like, have you ever played football with, uh, how is this possible? And then they started to calculate like these guys start playing when they're five years old right. and they play then 30 games a year and it keeps going in university they play 30 games a year we in canada you know you shut yeah. her down after eight there's snow all yeah. over the place so. and, and there's
1: no friday night lights like goes texas uh no the, the, the town the city is not completely no. engulfed by football uh throughout, your, throughout your youth yeah uh, so can you mention the, the nfl combine so how on earth i'm sorry okay. how on earth do you end up there
0: because so it's not trying, like
1: you've got some stellar yeah. varsity career and and people no. kind of on top of you.
0: So I played offensive line. I, at Bishops, like, I got moved from inside receiver to defensive line to, to, to offensive line. And I had to learn these things. And I've always been a very technical learner. I'd always uh, try to break things down, which is very beneficial in football. Because football... Regardless of what people think about it, people smashing their heads together, it's not. It's so much technique. You And that's how you make it, by having... When they judge you after a football game, it's on three things, and it's on whether you had success in that play, if you had your body in the right position, and if you... Uh, I forget the third thing, that's probably why I'm not there anymore. But uh, it... it, it strong part of it is technique and if you use the exact technique and I'm not just saying you know the right person it's putting your foot in the right spot putting your hands in the right spot keeping your pad level down like it's all technique so the good thing was I was trying to learn these things right then and there as an adult basically and not a kid so I wasn't learning a bad behavior a bad uh, technique I was had to do it fast so I had to learn the exact proper technique and I would watch videos I would find you know go into the coach's office and take out the you know Anthony Munoz, who's one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time, videotapes and I put it in. I would watch it. And he, this and here's one of the greatest, you know, teaching me and and those coaches would reinforce it and and so that was a, a way that I, I learned uh, quickly uh, in a shorter amount of time than 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 other people for sure. What was the uh, question? Oh yeah, so like, so we're at Bishop's, yeah, how to yeah, how do, we how get to do the how you get to a helmet? Yeah, and then so I just kept going and and, and as an offensive lineman, um, people don't realize whether you're not you're doing well, and they only realize if you're doing poorly, okay, because if, if your quarterback's getting sacked, right. your running back's not running, they start pointing the blame, but if things are going well, it's somebody else is doing a good job, right, if the quarterback's having a good year, he's having a good year, mm-hmm. and the running back's having a good year, it's not the offensive lineman. so we always had good teams, we always had great teams, like number one in the country, winning, you know, the OQIFC, uh, the, the, the conference, and that sort of stuff, so no fingers ever pointed at the offensive lineman, and, you know and the bigger schools uh you know McGill that's where the offensive linemen are coming from that are getting recognized so n- never did i get any recognition until i i went and i t- started telling people my dream i went and i told uh, glenn constantine who is just the linebackers coach at bishops university at the time who has become the most successful university football coach of all time he's the head coach at university of laval and another point that i uh, i like to tell people is if someone has time takes the time to give you advice you listen to it no matter who they are or what their position is because you have no idea like what their are life story is and what What, what, where
1: he was going to actually end up also right like like, yeah for sure
0: like this is a guy who is fully committed to helping the people around him to making everyone better to make a great situation and what he's done at laval university is unheard of it's unbelievable it's it's similar to uh you know carlton basketball it Mm -hmm. really is Kind of like what
1: Dave Smart was able to create exactly, there. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's an unbelievable environment, and it's and, and
1: people in Ottawa will understand this. People also going, who? Are, what are these universities, and who did, who is this? But yeah, if you're Ottawa, right. you realize this program that's been built. It's unbelievable,
0: Un- unbelievable, like, like worldwide, like, unbelievable. Yeah. right. Like it's, it's crazy. And so, uh, yeah, Glenn, t- you know, had the time for me, and he, we we sat down. We would talk about football. We talk about technique. We would talk about how to what the steps were to get to the next level, like through getting an agent and through talking to people. And, uh, and he and, and I sat down, we made videotapes together of like some of my better plays that year. And we would talk about it and, and he said, this is a this is great tape, you've had a great season, whether or not anyone says you're an all-star or not. And he goes, I'm gonna send this out to some people for you. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome, that's great. So another thing that I, I like tell people is experts. You gotta use experts. There, you got. You can't do everything on your own. You need help, whatever it is you're trying to do. And so I had to get a sports agent. If I had called these NFL football teams and said, "Listen, hey, I had a great year," they would have hung up the phone. They wouldn't even, have, you know, answered the phone. Because when actually when I got to Detroit, there was a wall. Uh, they put it would put up a wall of people who tried to contact them on their own. And it's all and they would put the pictures and the letters really? up. Yeah, I don't know what the what the reason for that was, but it was all up in the wall, and it was basically don't try and do this on your own. Right, it, that's what the message was. I imagine <laughs> is right, you know do it the proper way. We don't want to answer the phone from these people, and uh, so I got a sports agent and he sent those videotapes around, and teams saw this big, sort of uh, you know raw person who you know hadn't played a lot of football but was I was very fast at the time and uh, you know athletic especially for the, the the position I played and so teams showed interest and the Houston Oilers um invited me to the NFL Combine which was crazy because nobody um from the Canadian University that year anyways Canada. had been invited to the NFL Combine in fact a lot of good players from American universities didn't get invited to the Combine so here I was, you know... Uh, I got to ask you, yeah. though. So
1: you get this call, your agent calls you and says yep. you've been invited.
0: Yeah, unbelievable.
1: Like, is there, like, a... Is there an emotional release? Is there a saying something to your brother? Is there, like, what what goes in because I don't think anyone really foresaw that this was that even that moment was going to happen this podcast is brought to you by extension marketing they are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business I can speak to this personally as I've been using the extension marketing team to help me launch and grow my business Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me. A genuine coach guiding me along the way into unchartered territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com.
0: Yeah, no, other, other pe- to other people, it was more uh, of a shock. Uh, <laughs> to me, who had been, you know, it was their day-in, day out of my life, uh, it was, wow, finally someone is seen this. Finally, I'm getting, uh, you know, the attention that I need and here's my opportunity. And I always believed in myself. No matter what, I always believed that someday this was gonna happen. And I think that's really key to anybody um, who's trying to overcome anything or, or or achieve anything is on some level, yeah, there's gotta be doubt. There's gotta be people saying you can't do it. There's gotta be you waking up and go, why am I doing this? But at some level, you still have to have a smile in the back of your you know, head and believe that you can do it. And I always believed that something was gonna happen and good things were gonna start happening. And uh, and that to me was like, okay, finally, you know, like there's a lot of talk about nowadays about live, that we live in a simulation. And uh, that's why when you're positive about things, good things happen to you in your simulation. And I look back at that and I think that's, that's sort of what it was. I just believed in myself and I knew that all these things that weren't going right were what was making me stronger and pushing me in the right direction And that, yeah, Uh, believing in myself meant it was going to someday happen and this was it this was happening for sure it wasn't any guarantee by any means but it was me and other people finally saying there's two things that happened at the time that really pushed me over and gave me 100 percent confidence i always had the confidence but first of all was glenn constantine and my original conversation with him and how it started was at it was at a party and it was at the end of the year And he said to me, without me saying anything, because there had been some CFL interest in me at that point, because I was a Canadian, big, tall offensive lineman, and I did win an all-star conference award. It was one of the only uh, awards I ever won. And he came to me, and people were talking about the CFL to me, whatever, and asking me whether or not I could make it anyways. And I was like, yeah, I'm making it. I I had told myself I was at least making the CFL since I was a little kid, like even before I started playing football. So I knew I was going to play in the CFL. And uh, he says to me, uh, are you gonna play in the NFL? And he just said it like that, and like this guy is asking me if I'm gonna play in the NFL, which like you know has never happened at this university before. And to me, that gave me this yeah, bam, I'm gonna do it. And then when I got invited, after people had seen my tape, uh, then yeah, this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen to me. Uh, I just have to keep trying. I just have to be the hardest worker. I just have to keep going. And so I got invited to the uh, to the NFL Combine, and things went really well. I actually got the flu right before I went, so I did lose a bit of weight, and I went in at 280 instead of like you know 295, which would have been more ideal. And I didn't run as fast as I knew I could have, but I did have uh, like I just looked back the other day and I had the best uh, vertical leap, which is good for like explosivity and, and strength.
1: At six foot six. Yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, well, no, I had the best uh, vertical leap for my position. Okay uh vertical leap long jump or broad jump and that sort of stuff and it went it went really as an well.
1: offensive lineman
0: uh, offensive lineman yeah yes, i'm
1: sure. sure i'm picturing some offensive lineman
0: exactly yeah <laughs> I'm, not like seeing a 12 them. Inch I'm not
1: seeing them yeah. jumping very high yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the at most all part, yeah the conversation i see wasn't. them more than jumping and doing a belly flop <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah, yeah. thing. yeah
0: it, well, yeah so to be uh athletic to come <laughs> from uh completely off the radar for some of these teams yeah. showed interest because some of these teams love finding those diamonds in the rough those right. people that no one had ever heard of they can get them in the late round or or even in a free agent cheaper cheaper yeah for sure and they can at least bring you into training camp to hold a bag and that sort of stuff and that's sort of how i knew i was going to fit in i had to find my spot right I, it's all about timing for sure it really is and a lot of things and especially in nfl football because there's so many variables happening on an nfl team that there are so many like places where you can find to fit in at the right time mm-hmm. so um the draft came and went and i didn't get dra- i got a phone call from the houston oilers in the like fifth round saying we're gonna you Know, take you in the fifth round. I'm like, wow, it's all happening. This is unbelievable. Sitting there watching on a TV in a room full of like football players and and my coaches and stuff. Fifth round comes and goes. They did not take me. Sixth round, seventh round, nothing. And there's only seven rounds. and I'm like, wow, well, I don't know what. To, I don't even know what to do now. And then, but the phone rang, and it was the Detroit Lions, and they uh, they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you on the team, and they offered me. Uh, they're known for not paying money to unrestricted free or yeah, unrestricted free agents, especially rookies. And they offer me ten thousand dollars, and I'm like, "Well, that's amazing. Okay, I'm going to do that." And uh, so I go to tra- I go to the rookie camp. Here's a quick story okay. I want to tell you. So I go to the, uh, I go to the, uh, the rookie camp. It's for, uh, it's, it's actually right after my convocation at Bishop's yeah. University. I go to this campus for, you know, rookies or people who are new to the team, which I didn't know. I thought it was just for rookies. And so we do the camp, we all get in this like shuttle bus. And then here we are, you know, stinking. And I'm sitting beside this guy called Zephyros Moss. And he was like six foot eight, 350 pounds. And here I am knowing that they don't normally give out, uh, you know, big bonuses anyways to people uh who are unrestricted free agents or sh- who should be at that camp and i'm kind of bragging that i got ten thousand dollars and the way <laughs> they gave it to me is they walked around the change room with envelopes and they threw them in the chain into your stall before and so here i right before i went to practice i'm like oh it's a ten thousand dollar check and you know coming from university yeah. that's amazing yeah. right and so i kind of wanted to brag about it after practice and i'm sitting beside Zephyros, and i go yeah i got my check ten thousand bucks did you get yours because yep I said, uh, how much was yours for? I figured he'd say like 5000 He goes, 1000000 like, what? He's like, million dollars. I'm like, what? He was like the Boba Gump guy, man. He was like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's from the Southern. I didn't totally picture this yet. And then he goes, uh, yeah, they just threw it in my locker, million dollars. They threw a million dollar check in his locker. He showed up the next day in a Corvette. And uh, But that's, uh, you know, that's the nature yeah. of the. He NFL, was new to the man. team. He, was he wasn't new quite new to the team. He had signed <laughs> yes. as, a, as, a, as a free agent. Not yes. Not, a rookie. not an
1: unref- unrestricted yeah, yeah, a kid a coming years. out of university yeah what'd you do with that ten thousand uh, dollar I
0: bought a jeep I bought a jeep yeah. for sure and so I went to training camp training camp grew really well I was so over prepared there um like went, I went to a place in Ann Arbor Michigan called Dr. Ping's House of Pain where we lived and breathed football for like three weeks before training camp we did martial arts where we would literally hit each other my forearms were so like indestructible at that point from like black belts just smashing on my forearms and it just gave me this huge advantage in like hand-to-hand combat and football and things went really well. I'd always been really good at pass blocking and that sort of thing and that's uh, one of the things that you're sort of judged on in training camp because you do these one-on-ones all time and, and people are so interested in them because they usually turn into fist fights and stuff and, and I was very physical, very tough and I would get into fights with people on my own position and I knew this Canadian coming in, that was my thing is just be the toughest guy out there. Training camp is hard, nobody wants to be there, it's all day long, it's It's physical, it's brutal, it's tough. And I knew if I could be the spark and I could just keep things going on a different level. And that's what happened. I mean, Barry Sanders called me the Canadian TKO. I had a practice canceled one time because I was showing so much enthusiasm. Like halfway through the practice, the head coach Wayne Fonts comes over yelling and screaming, excited, he goes, that's how we wanna play around here. Take the rest of the practice off and everybody runs in and I was all their best friend and everything. And uh, as it turns out, I said, you got to get in where you fit in, right? And they, they had a left tackle called Lomas Brown who is maybe even in the Hall of Fame. He was an amazing uh, football player. And he held out for training camp. He was at later stages of his career. So he was holding out for training camp so he wouldn't have to go through all that. And I was basically taking his position. Here I thought I was making this team because I I was starting preseason games, playing every snap, every drill in practice. I'm like, I'm the man. I've made this team as they're starting or the first backup for sure. There's no way I'm not. And then obviously he signs with the team and they cut the people and I went home and I went home and uh, I knew I could play at that level and this is, I'd been picked in the first round by the BC Lions and the BC Lions were calling me and they're like, yeah, you've been released. They actually called me before I was released which is crazy because uh, there's a little bit of collusion there I mean teams know what's going on they're all coaches yeah. and behind the scenes so they called me before I go and said you're going to be released I'm like I don't think so man I think you're wrong <laughs> I'm playing like, awesome yeah. I don't you know like the yeah. guys are
1: loving me here yeah. and, uh, then, and uh, then they're uh, like did you not know about the guy waiting holding yeah, yeah. off letting letting, letting yeah. you take the beating and then he'll walk in Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: which I also had and I have and uh, I had a picture of Lomas Brown in my room in university uh, I could talk back about that it was a dream board I'd made and uh and uh but i'll finish this this story here and um so yeah i go home and bc lines are calling and i'm like no listen i can do this i'm gonna play and it got so like days ticked by and i'm like well no one's calling from the nfl why are they not calling i don't i don't understand like you know i I could fit in there somewhere for sure there's 30 teams and uh, my girlfriend at the time who's my wife now Uh, We were driving to the OAC for a workout, and I'm going through all this. And she pulls over, and she pulled over right where the the lighthouse is there. Yeah, totally, right by the museum. Yeah, right by the museum. And she goes, listen, okay, you told me right now you did really well in training camp. A team is going to call. You can't go to the BC Lions. We're just going to wait. I went, all right that's a good decision I'll never forget that and we both talk about that all the time because it was her decision I was like yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna give up on this you know NFL thing it's, it's not happening it's been a few weeks the whole bit and uh, she's like no listen you know what you're capable of you've made this promise this dream it's gonna happen finish it yeah. it's gonna happen and so we went and worked out get back from the workout and there's a message on the answering machine uh, from the Miami Dolphins And uh, they say, we really like what we saw, you know, in Detroit, we've actually been looking for you for a few weeks. Um, Apparently, anyways, they they, they didn't know how to contact me.
1: They they didn't have social media the same way they do now. No, it's
0: crazy right and they what happened back then is uh, instead of cutting people in that situation they wanted on your team they would hide you they would cut you and they would pay you a job to do something else in the community but you would still be there in case they wanted you like that happened it was rampant it was everywhere so they figured their first impulse was to look for me in that community right like they had the the scout when i got there was finally you don't know how long i've been looking for you i'm like what really this is crazy And uh, yeah, I go and do the workout for the Miami Dolphins and uh, the date, so this is part of the craziest, craziness is October 30th, 1995, it was 10 years to the day that my big brother Bill died, it was 10 years to the day that I made that promise that uh, I I went and did the workout with the, uh, with the Miami Dolphins and that's, uh, you know, a a few things in that message is that, uh, you know, there's crazy things happening that we can't understand until they happen and we look back on them and did that it was know 10 that, years. Did you
1: know getting up that morning
0: no, that it had know. been 10 years? I did not know. No, I did when, not know. When I only did, found out years later when I started telling the story and I looked, I knew it was a similar time of year yeah. and I didn't even realize it was 10 years to the day. I knew roughly about it and I knew I just, you know, uh, it'd been a long time. And people talk about 10 years all the time. And, and if there's 10 substance- years is a,
1: is a really big milestone, I think, it is. for so many things.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, if you want something bad enough, there's going to be days, months, years where it doesn't seem to be going your way, right? And it's, it's within you to decide if that's what you want. And if it is, then you keep going in that direction. Because 10 years, the world can flip around, everything can change, right? I went from this skinny, tall kid in Blackburn Hamlet. Uh, going to football schools where no one had ever done something before to just believing in myself and to looking out outward and, and finding the people who also believed in me and who could help me and taking the advice that made sense to me and failing and failing and learning from the failures but never giving up and continuing to push and move myself in that direction and so here it is 10 years to the day and I go out, I do the workout. I'm working out in front of like Don Shula, Mean Joe Green, Joe Theismann was there. Like, or no, sorry, Joe Namath was there. It was like the most surreal experience. Uh, and it was actually those three guys watching me and this other guy I was doing this drills against. And we're doing these drills. And, and, you know, I'm just giving it everything I got. And uh, it was so emotional. And it was just, it was just, at that moment, and I, I've talked to people like Henry Burris about moments in their life where like when he was in overtime, you know, in the Grey mm-hmm. Cup and that sort of stuff. And they're like, were you nervous? Were you excited? And there's this moment when you've put everything you got into something where you lose that, that nervousness and everything just feels good and it just feels right. And and you're just happy. I was just happy to be in that environment and things, they just went really well. And it was over and, you know, everyone's smiling. and uh, And I talked about this when I realized that my brother passed away, that everyone, you just, you just feel it, it's in the mm-hmm. air, something's going something's your there. way finally. and the coach says, yeah, all right Mark, why don't you go sit down inside, somebody will be in somebody will be in to talk to you in a moment and like you know, I don't know why he wasn't the guy to tell me or anything, but I went inside I sat in this you know big empty room and I'm still trying to catch my breath and I just this just the happiness and you know sweaty and almost immediately the door at the other side of the room opens up. And this familiar-looking guy walks in, and I, I, I'd never seen this person in, in, in real life before, and he walks right over to me, big smile, and he goes, Hi, Mark, I'm Dan Marino. I'm here to tell you you made the team. And it was just so surreal and unbelievable that here's Dan Marino telling me, like, why is it Dan, you know, the whole bit, and it was like, it was a dream come true, and it, and it happened that day.
1: Okay, what was the jersey that you were
0: wearing? It was the Dan Marino jersey that my brother the jersey bought me. Yeah. At- and when we set this goal we had this verbal this conversation about someday that it was watching Dan Marino in Super Bowl and here I am he's the guy where he you know we became you know kind of buddies that 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 season for sure and it was just uh I don't know like how else can you explain that there's more to life than uh than what meets the eye than a story like that right like uh, it's people who who I tell the story to are like what, you know, uh, it's, it's ignorant if you don't believe in something greater than what we see after that story. And I've told that story many, many times. And I would say a, a large percentage of the time I've told it, not a large percentage, I say the opposite, a small percentage of the time something weird has happened as I've told the story. I've been in uh, like the Chimo Inn. I gave a, a, a speech to a leadership conference uh, one time and I was telling the story and it was on my brother's birthday. It was February 21st. And as the start of the story, when people don't know if he's passed away or not, I say, and today's my brother's birthday. And as I said that, a, a picture on the wall crashes to the ground. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And I didn't say it. I didn't continue on. I just said, at the end of the story, wow. I'll tell you why that's crazy. And then so it gets to the end of the story. And I go, Can you, do you guys remember when I said it was my brother's birthday and the picture fell off the wall? And the guy in the front row goes, mister, the pictures on both sides of the room fell down. So as I told that two pitchers who had been mounted to the wall or whatever you know pulled out of the wall and hit the ground like a like a ghost movie man it was crazy and there's been others and it's just it's, well, it's mind blowing
1: it's powerful but i for me it's the the man walking in to be able to tell you all this is just it's so full circle no. it's 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 truly remarkable mm-hmm. you go on to to play a couple it's a couple games there. Yeah. You have a CFL career that yeah. you come back and play the CFL. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at the clock and I'm going, okay, yeah, yeah. I want to just, because yeah. there's just, there was so much. Um, this was kind of, I mean, and you've gone on, you've, you're you in comedy, you've got a job as a firefighter. Like, I mean, there's a lot that yeah. goes on. When you look at your life, though, was these were, this was the building block to yes. everything that you stand for everything you want your children i mean like i look at as a father Mm -hmm. how they probably know this story like the back of their hand right like this is this this is the commitment this is the personality Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the personality traits
0: yeah so (laughs) it's funny because uh they don't see the hard work and the struggle, but they see the years of, you know, being unsuccessful and then being successful. So I, I think they're caught up in that. I, I can go for years without trying or being <laughs> successful at something, which is fine. Yeah. You know, I want them to... Dad, enjoy. I'm going to be
1: really good at playing this video game, <laughs> and then I'm going to make my own video game. Like, yeah. You, like.
0: Yeah. there's we, a different set. Yeah.
1: There's a different way of thinking about things, right? Yeah. Well,
0: you hit it on the head when you said you, you sort of... It was the building blocks because... Um, It's a process it's not anyone is born uh with these gifts people are born with gifts for sure and then you have to learn to use your gifts or move in that direction but it's a process it's learning that uh nothing is attained without massive amounts of failure and it's standing on the shoulders of that failure that we learn to be successful and i mentioned it earlier about people we envision as someone who's never had anything go wrong i guarantee if you talk to Sidney crosby that his life is in his head (laughs) filled with failure and it's all taking that failure and and improving on it and getting better and moving in that direction and and that's what it's all about it's when you learn to be successful at one thing then it's applicable in everything for sure and after that i mean I, i i always say i had this one goal but i had a bunch of goals that letter had a lot going on in it and a lot of it was strangely enough about comedy and I wanted to be a firefighter and those things all came true. Afterwards. Did you use the
1: same failure? I mean, I'm sure that there's been sets of being up at yuck yucks or doing your yep. comedy where you're like, that was a fail. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Or, or like, you know, that was crickets on yep. that joke. Like how do you, do you take the same type of training that you did for football and, and yep. use it towards your comedy and your writing and saying, this is going to work, this isn't going to work. It's,
0: it's different. It, it, being on stage and being the one person in the spotlight is a lot more like being sort of the, the, the quarterback. And uh, so it is it is different because it's now and it's everyone can see. When I was an offensive lineman, I knew people could see, because people can see there's always cameras on you and you're always watching it afterwards with a coach. So you're, you're always on the spotlight, but it is exactly the same. You build it, you, you have your goals, your dreams, you gotta find things, the steps that it's gonna take to take you to the next level, right? And it's not always as it seems. And when you don't know, ask somebody who does, okay? So that's just part of my, my podcasting life is getting people on who uh, I'm interested in and I'm interested in the things that they've become successful at, for sure. And uh, and that is uh, is what has changed my life and is what has sort of accelerated other things in my life as far as like uh, the comedy, for sure. I'll have comedians who have been you know, comedians for 20, 30 years on the road. And they're gonna tell me, they're gonna synopse it down to like what makes them successful in 30 years. And here I'm learning that in you know, in a one hour conversation. And that's real. That's, that's real. That's, uh, that's something I can use tomorrow and I can use, you know, today. And that's, that's the power of learning from people who have been there and done that is irreplaceable.
1: Were you always funny?
0: Uh, definitely always uh, a class like, clown. Like, is it
1: one-liners? Like, class clown, one-liners, waiting for that right moment?
0: Uh, when I was a kid, definitely one-liners. All yeah. one-liners. And so what I sort of evolving to now in my comedy career i've been doing comedy for three years and it started off with one-liners okay one-liners i'd written down yeah. for years the whole bit and i've met through conversations yeah. people who who like daryl lennox who's been a comedian for 20 years and, he, and you know mike mcdonald who's on my podcast and and to them they've been there so long that it's not necessary it's about making people laugh first but it's also about, and as Mike McDonald would say, shining the light on the audience and giving them something more than they had when, when before they got there. And so for me, I want to become more of a storyteller with the one-liners in it and entertain people, make them happy, but send them home with a message that's going to sort of change their mind and inspire them to, to be a better person, to be a better you know, be a better you, right? And I'm so, and it's it's weird because I come from the world of sports and taken into the comedy, it's not. A lot of people think, you know, you gotta be competitive. You gotta be better than the next comedian out there and that which is completely detrimental to the whole industry. Mm-hmm. You gotta be a better you. You can't go out there and say, I'm gonna get more laughs than that person. And even when you go to a contest, you, you don't try and be funnier than someone else who's been on. Be your funniest self. And then that's what's gonna make everything better and make you better too, for sure. And you can get sick by trying to be better than the person beside you.
1: With everything, yeah. Are you are you funny at the fire station? Like, I uh,
0: know people are. That, always, yeah, I'm more of a listener. I like to. I mean, if I can think of something funny to say, yeah. but there's people who are way funnier than me, right? And it's the ability to all bring it together and stand on stage and stare at people. It's in different the to be
1: funny with a group of guys and have yes. some fun, but it's yeah. different stand in front of an audience yeah. and and. Like yeah. I can't even imagine.
0: It's crazy. The, the, my best stories, comedy stories, have come from the fire station and people are just telling these stories and mm-hmm. they don't realize that, that that's a world-class story. Yeah, well, I'm going to use that. Oh, <laughs> I have two great that's stories that yeah. I and then, then you got to kind of, you know, yeah. beef it up a bit and throw in some punchlines and invent a few things because the best comedy is is based on truth. Yes. So if you can tell a true story and have it funny then uh, that's amazing. And that's that's what people are always like I thought you'd be funnier or I you know, oh, I can't wait to work with you it's going to be a great funny day like I'm always telling jokes and stuff. Is there pressure
1: then that you feel like uh, people are expecting you to be funny? Like I I had no expectation of you being funny in here. Mm-hmm. But do you feel sometimes like you're your you're, people are having you over because they want that hey well all the funny guy is yeah, coming yeah. over well you know? anytime
0: I go out with like my wife and like her friends she's always like you gotta be on you know they're expecting a comedian and I'm like well that's you know that's like 1950s that you know like, what I do when I, I do
1: with Tony I'm what? like you gotta scale back like he'll know mm-hmm. like certain wherever event we are mm-hmm. to what level I will allow him yeah, yeah. to use his one liners or to scale back his thought process yeah. so he'll ask me like he's like what, what kind of like, where am I today? Yeah, yeah, that's you know, good. Can He's I be me? Funny. Can I, yeah. you know? So it's funny that your wife is like, yeah, I yeah. want you on tonight, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. Well, some, one of my strengths as a comedian is uh, is crowd work, is talking to the crowd yeah. and making something funny out of, it, out of it and relating one person over here to another person over there. So I can do that in a social situation. And I have been in situations where I just won't shut up and it's blah, 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 blah. blah. And if I find that alley and I'm going with it and people yeah. are enjoying it, then yeah, you can't sort of shut me up in that especially if I've had a couple of drinks yeah. really <laughs> to be honest and uh, but as far as like making a one liner or a joke I see a lot of them now that I'm so immersed in the comedy and being around comedy a lot I see a lot of the jokes and I don't take them because they're too easy and I, I allow them for other people right and oh, occasionally I will and then I'll just shake my head like you well, oh, I, I shouldn't do have done you know, that you know like two, even on stage I've done that like with crowd work and then I'll just go I shouldn't you know like that was just too easy but uh, you know it's uh it's it's more about listening and that's uh, everything in life right is is being a good listener and when i'm in a fire station we're sitting around the the table in the morning or whatever and people are telling their stories man i love that and i don't necessarily want to contribute because i don't want to sort of influence the flow of anything or ruin a story a good uh you know as you know listening to people is obviously a huge strength for you because you're really good at this and if you say something at the wrong time you can ruin a story you know what yeah. I mean? If you jump on a punchline or something like that, then oh, you ruin the killer. story, right? Yeah. So you you become a really good listener and you want more. And I'll sit there and I'm like, here comes the story. It's great. Wait for it. Wait for it. Because a lot of people are just listening to their, their moment to talk, right? And You get a lot of that. Here's my story. Here's my version. And you're like, damn, I want to hear the end of that story.
1: If so. people jump the gun mm. I find yeah the time. absolutely I'm trying not to jump the gun here because I'm looking at the clock going mm. okay talking about uh, being able to talk we've done a really good job here today yeah, yeah, yeah. I want great. um I do want you to let people know like because there's schools there's teachers like mm. I know you've got this program and you're saying you're talking at like over 800 schools mm. where can people find you like first of all your podcast how many episodes are you in now like I went uh, and looked like you've it's been great for you
0: 42 yeah or? I try to do some... one a week and yeah. if you know a guest cancels then I don't yeah. I don't just. I mean, it's fine with me. I, but it used to be, which I loved, is when you know, I was not the in the teens or the twenties. People would email me or message me like, "Where is your podcast this yeah. week?" Right. But now that there's forty three, they can always go back. And I do occasionally get you the same one. Hey, you didn't put one out last week or whatever. And so That's I'm like, it's good coming. though. People I are going, it.
1: and and it's I nice. It. And you're trying to be able to to kind of to build that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called the the Hatfield trip. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for more information on that, that's on iTunes. Uh, and there's always a funny cover uh that you have for each podcast like yeah. with that person. Well, you need, I think I'm sure. on a swing. Yes, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, backs, yeah. and I think sure. you yeah. tried to replicate it with Tony yeah, and yeah, yeah, it yeah. didn't. And it <laughs> like, was winter. <laughs> and I'm like, "What were you thinking?" Uh, so you can find that and then the comedy, where can people find you for more information uh, there? Yuck, y- y- like, yeah, for okay. sure. I
0: have a, a weekly show there from yeah. October to April. It's been two seasons. It's every Friday night at 7 and uh it's gone really well too. It's uh it's almost okay. sold out every week, so
1: Okay. I, I, do you have hours at the fire station? I'm looking at your schedule. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, you're still, well, like, occasionally, you're, I
0: miss. Uh, I miss a, uh, a Friday night shift Yeah. No, not a shift. Oh, I okay. go the shifts. Yeah. Fr- you know, the fire station's first for oh, family, and then fire stations. You know, uh, primary. Uh, and uh, and then I, if I'm available, then I go to Yuck Yucks, which is most, uh, you know, three out of four weeks, which mm-hmm. is great. I, uh, this summer, we're about to go, uh, the family's about to go on a, uh, a road trip to uh, the Grand Canyon. I also vlog, too. I have a, the Hatfield Trip uh, YouTube channel, and we're going to be vlogging about Okay, that.
1: this, because this is like the Griswolds. This is totally like, the like you've rent. Sure. There's an RV and yeah. a, a couple a of teenage boys.
0: Yes. and Three boys, one, two teenagers, and... Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, we're going to, uh, and we're all into it. So everyone's sort of got their multimedia pass. You know, they all want to be part of it. Someone's going to be making the GoPro. Someone's going to oh be making the Oh my God, this drone. is like a full-on trip. Like, oh, like yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a, yeah.
1: so, and people, that's going to be the Hatfield trip.
0: Yes. Yeah, for on,
1: the actual. On YouTube. Okay, when do you when do you leave?
0: uh day after school ends so june 27th actually the whole hatfield trip is based on field trip the end of hatfield and and everyone loves the field trip it started a few years ago when we were going to costa rica and we were like let's do this and we did some of it and just got a little overwhelming because the kids were a bit too young to to help and they needed more attention than me, you know, editing yeah. videos. So then it became the, the, the podcast and then it became the ah, YouTube channel. So I think this is going to be yep. a hit this uh, <laughs> this
1: cross country in an RV with, uh, with the family. That's going to be awesome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Ah, this, my was, pleasure. this was really nice. It's nice to switch the rules too. Like, yeah, I think, I'm sure. like, I, this is, we'll just have more conversations. Uh, and of course, you can find more of the Hatfield trip on iTunes and then information on Yuck Yucks available as well. There you have it, episode 17 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang.